This is the Misdirected Mark Podcast, a podcast about gaming, game mastering, and entertaining you, our listeners. We are explicit, you have been warned, and I'd like to thank Mike Willer for letting us use his music at our show. Now let's pick up those mics and get on with this thing. Before we get started tonight, uh, just a quick word from um, we here at Misdirected Mark. For any of our listeners um, from Ukraine or who are Ukrainian, um, our hearts go out to to all of Ukraine um, during this um, invasion by Russia. Uh, We stand with Ukraine and um, we hope that um, it ends soon. The um, Ukrainian people have been amazing in their defense of their country and uh, hopefully um, it won't have to go on for too much longer. Hopefully the Russians will uh, will leave, uh, and uh, people can be uh, reunited with their loved ones for those that had to leave the country. So, um, again, we uh, we stand with Ukraine tonight. And now on with this episode. All right, that means it's time for a new game. Hell, I might even run something. Anybody want to try something we never get to play? That sounds like an awesome idea. Uh, I would uh, love to. I would love to combine. Um, both funky dice and cyberpunk and maybe like we can try the genesis version of android cool uh i'd like to get a shot at running honor plus intrigue it's always looked fun i was thinking something maybe older i mean i haven't run star frontiers in decades it's it's got to be better than gangbusters (laughs) if you want to go old i'd love to run some chainmail um i think it'd be interesting to revisit any origins of rpgs now we're talking so with that, welcome to the 465th episode of Mr. to Mark Podcast. Tonight, we discuss the games that we're excited to play and haven't gotten a chance to. So along the way, we're going to take your comments, examples, and suggestions live from the chat room for life on Twitch before jumping into the after show. But first, my name is Jerry. My name is Phil. They're talking to you, Bob. <laughs> Everything froze up, so I, I was like, like, what is going on? And I, of course, am Old Man Logan, which apparently uh, there is a an internet instability going on at my house for some bizarre reason out of the blue. So hopefully that won't continue. All right. So welcome again. Thank you for bearing with us while we had our brief hiatus. Um, it was just a back. week, right? Yeah. It was yeah, a week. Okay. It's just a week. But, you know, it was a week. So, you know. We took a week off. We took a week off. <laughs> for some people, it felt like an eternity. Who knows? All right. So, as we do of late, let's do a temperature check, see how everybody's feeling. Let's read the room. Phil, how you feeling, bud? Physically, not great. Um, I have some sort of pulled muscle in my um, rear quad. Um, had to, uh, I've been, I actually took off two days from work. I, um, Monday could not get out of bed with it. And um, today wasn't much better. So, I went to urgent care, had it looked at. Um, they confirmed that it's uh, pulled muscle, not um, pinched nerve or anything. So they gave me like better naproxen, uh, wrapped it for me, and told me to uh, start putting some heat on it. So I'm going to attempt to go back to work tomorrow, uh, but I'm kind of limping around my place a bit. Um, and if you see me wince a few times on the on camera, um, certain movements uh, irritate it. So like from time to time, I just like, I go to move it and I'm like, ouch, that's not fun. Um, it has everything to do with, um, the side to side movement of the leg, not the up and down or anything. It's, 
Uh, it's a real pain in the ass. Uh, not loving it. <laughs> so, yeah, um, not great physically. Mentally, I'm fine. Um, mentally, I'm fine. I mean, not going into work two days. I, you know, uh, got to, you know, I was forced to relax. So anyway, we'll talk about some of that stuff in the community corner. But mentally, I'm uh, I'm doing just fine. Just not enjoying just not enjoying the uh, the bum leg. How about uh, how about you, Jer? I'm good. I'm a little exhausted. This this week has just been dragging on. Um, but uh, I don't know why. I think it's the weather changing and the fact that I'm taking more allergy meds, so I sometimes get a little exhausted. But other than that, I'm doing pretty good mentally. Um, I'm in the same state we all are. But aside from that, I'm I'm doing well. We had a good weekend, so uh, that kind of refilled my refilled my drawer with spoons. So uh, I'm good. You know, you, you bring up a good point. Like, I'm like, yeah, I'm doing fine. And what I mean by fine is like, I'm in the, I'm in the downswing of a pandemic, the beginning of a, gl- a global war, but like, yeah, I'm, I'm like, yeah. thumbs up, Phil. I'm, I'm doing great. Um, the yeah, hell, I'm, man. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at things I'm saying, you know, I, I realize that the whole world is in turmoil, but there are things to still be positive about. And that's what I'm focusing on. I mean, the scale um, by which I'm considering things okay now is getting like lower. Like you know, the, the, the bar but just. You know what I mean? I do. But you know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's uh. So, so that's so Bob. Yeah, I would say uh, other than and a lot of the the, the stresses yeah. that you guys have already mentioned. Uh, outside of that stuff, I'm I'm pretty solid, probably B plus mentally right now. I'm doing pretty good. Okay. Um, physically, good. I'm having I'm having my own issues with uh, with some pain. Um, and neck and back acting up. My back was really bad for like most of the week while we were off. Um, got a massage and, and helped start uh, getting that back on track. But um, it's been uh, it's been a load of fun. So, um, but you know it's it's been far worse and it's uh, it's getting better. So that all being said, do we have any announcements, Phil? I don't think we do. Um, I'll just make one quick announcement. It's a reminder. It's not anything um, coming up right away, but I'll just remind everybody one more time. Uh, in uh, the month of March, we will not be doing a live recording on the 22nd. Yes. Um, so it's a couple weeks away. Uh, we'll remind you again as we mm-hmm. get closer, but we will not be doing a live um, broadcast on the 22nd, which means there will not be a live show for podcast listeners on the 29th. There we go. Yeah, so that'll right. bring us to our feature segment, which is a little different this time. Do you have yep. different? Do you have different music? Do you have pleasant um, music? I looked, and we don't have a bumper specifically for the game room. I went and I downloaded a uh, a sound effect of rolling dice. It's oh, weak sauce. Okay. It's super weak sauce. I'm gonna play it and let everybody have their own opinion. So here, here we go. That was it. That was- <laughs> Out of all the ones wow. I saw in the in the limited uh, searching that I did, I was like, that was the best one I could find. I'll do better for the next time we use this segment. But honestly, I could get honestly, we could have just brought over like we could have just put my phone down while we were playing Cortex. Yes. We'd have gotten some good rolls. I was very disappointed yeah. in the offerings they had as far as rolling dice noises. So, <laughs> yes, not our best, not our best bumper. We'll we'll work on it. Yeah. All right. All right. So tonight we're in the game room. And as topics go, this is not going to be one of our super in-depth ones. Rather, um, like some of the RPG discourse for the past few weeks about should IPX be made in System Y, we decided to do a segment about games. Games new, old games, that we're excited to play and talk about in an upbeat and positive way. But since we're us, we're going to start off by talking about having a list of games that you want to get to the table and some of the challenges associated with getting these games played. 
<clears throat> and of Bob. course, in that instance, it means it's time to ask Phil what we need to define for tonight. So let's do the other thing. Behold, you are in the presence of Definition Panda. It's definitely Bob tonight. It's yeah. uh, <laughs> anyway, wouldn't be a misdirected mark show without at least one definition. Um, our definition for tonight, our word for tonight, and our definition, the word is backlog. And uh, the definition is an accumulation of something, especially uncompleted work or matters that need to be dealt with. Your RPG backlog is the list of games that you have or that you want to get to the table, a.k.a. that you want to play or run, right? We all have them. Um, I I did say safe to say nearly all gamers have uh, have a backlog. I'm pretty sure we all have a backlog of some sort, whether it's a few games, whether it's a ton of games. Um, backlog, your backlog can have a bunch of different things in it. Could be completely different games, aliens, Brindlewood Bay, Hearts of Ulin, those kinds of things. It could be different story or campaign ideas for a single system. Like maybe you just love playing, um, 5e, but you've got like a backlog of different campaign ideas that you want to run for 5e. That's a legitimate part of your backlog as well. Um, and your backlog can be games that you've played in the past, but you want to play them again. Um, maybe you have a new group that you want to play a game with. Maybe you want to revisit a game like you just liked it so much. You want to play it again, that kind of thing. It's your backlog is whatever is on your list that you want to get to the table. Nothing, nothing cuts it all off. Like there's no, there's no gatekeeping on this thing. Just whatever's in your backlog is what's in your backlog. Make sense? Cool. All right. Ultimately, your backlog could be a formal list. Maybe you got it documented somewhere. Um, you know, Google Sheet, Trello board, something like that. You'd think I would, but I actually don't. <laughs> um, or you could be just a list you keep in your head. Um, I actually, I'll say this briefly. I pretty much generate my backlog on the spot when somebody asks me. I have like a few that linger, but then like depending on who we're talking to and what like which group I'm you know, possibly going to be running for. The backlog's a little different, um, but whatever. Um, however you keep it is how you keep it. One final thing about backlogs before we're, uh, uh, before we're done. Your backlog can change over time. Um, some of the games that were on your backlog may just fall off the list. You're like, you may just never, like you may just never get to play them and um, your interests change. Um, the, you know, the game, like you found another game that kind of did something similar to it, whatever. Um, they just drop off. So your backlog is not etched in stone. Your backlog is a dynamic. Um, your ba- backlog is a dynamic list of games based on where you are at any particular time in gaming. For that, give a listen to the Pandas Gaming Journey episode that I think just came out on Monday live. So came out on the 28th of February. Give a listen to that about changing uh, tastes and games and stuff like that. Cool. All right. So clearly most of us have a backlog of unplayed games. Jerry, what are some reasons that these games that we want to play haven't hit the table yet? No surprises here, but there are three major reasons that we all have backlogs. And as always, there may be more reasons, but these are the three we're going to talk about. (laughs) So first, people. Sometimes we just don't have a gaming group to play the game that we want to play. Um, this can occur for a number of reasons, everything from getting in and out of 
uh, gaming groups, cultivating a new gaming group. Um, and as we've talked before, just trying to get a gaming group is a show all to itself. But Absolutely. It can, it can be, I mean, I, when I moved here, when I moved from Syracuse to Buffalo in Syracuse, I had three major gaming groups going. I moved to Buffalo and knew nobody. And it took me several years to get a decent gaming group together. I had a couple here that did not particularly meld well with each other or with my gaming style. But uh, so a lot of the stuff I wanted to run, I was just running whatever the major games were actually real quick. I showed up to a thing where they were like, Hey, we want to, we're going to start a new game. We want to do Pathfinder. And I wonder if you want to play Pathfinder with us. And I'm like, yeah. So I show up. They're like, great. I said, so what's the, what's the plot? They said, we don't know you're the GM. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. Um, we got two so, types of games here, D and D and Pathfinder. <laughs> well, I don't mind GMing Pathfinder. I just would have known. I would have liked to have known yeah. that before I showed up to the game. Surprise. No, that's fine. I'm just, I'm just making yeah. my uh, Blues Brother joke. Oh, I know that. I know, I know the joke. That's true. <laughs> uh, uh, another reason. In, unless you're in Denver, then it's what D and D and Savage Worlds. I think. Yeah, that's so, right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, go ahead. Um, another reason that um, you might not. Um, the, I should say another reason that your backlog may still be your backlog is uh, time. Um, we don't all have enough time to run another game in our schedule. Jerry does, but the rest of us, um, the rest of us don't. Jerry seems to get in more games than all of us combined. Um, but not really, and not anymore. <laughs> there was a time, Jerry, you were like in five games, like there, us there mere was. mortals, us mere mortals are getting in like one, possibly two a week. Yeah, but Jerry now I'm married, was, so <laughs> yeah. Um, for most of us, our time is limited in some way or another. Um, and there's just limits on how many games we can play a week, right? Mm -hmm. uh, obligations like work, um, writing podcasts, significant others, children's, um, and then honestly, sometimes just not role-playing, right? Is also a legitimate, um, obligation that you can have to yourself. Um, yep. but whatever it is, we like, we don't always have time, um, to run all of our backlog, which is why I'm waiting for retirement. Right. So we can just we can just game all through the day. But anyway, Jerry, what's the third one? Third one is interest. Sometimes if we're lucky enough to have a group and we have time. It's a, sometimes it's not enough interest for the people you're gaming with to play the games in your backlog. Uh, there are going to be lots of reasons for this. Uh, some of the more common ones include players don't like the system. Um, sometimes they just don't like the setting and situation. And sometimes they just don't want to play anything but game X. Mm -hmm. um, to be honest, I've been lucky enough to never encounter the last one in any of the game groups that I'm actually running for or playing with. But the first two I've seen before, I mean, there are some systems I don't like, and there are some game groups I've GM'd for that I've just realized that as a group, that group doesn't like to play this kind of thing. Absolutely. Teenage, super, teenage superheroes or dungeon crawling adventures or whatever. And that's okay, but sometimes certain settings lend themselves to that. So, yep. yep. Uh, but as with most things, it can be a combination of all of this. And as a result, we often find ourselves with more games that we want to play than we actually can play. And then we end up with the backlog. All right. Phil, as somebody who runs a lot of different games and is excited about trying new games far more than, than older games, what is the allure of new games and what are some of the risks? Sure. Uh, I do love me some new games. Um, and I've been like that ever since I started the hobby, right? That's not a new thing for me. Um, I played um, I played a few games of D&D &D and then went out and bought like Top Secret and Boot Hill and all those like right away. Like I never, like 
I was always like that. Um, So for some people like myself, um, I like different genres and I like seeing how different games emulate different genres. In fact, that to me is my favorite piece is the combination of those two. How does how does um, a particular system address a particular genre? Um, That is like my all time favorite. Like that's the peanut butter chocolate moment for me. Um, And the thing is, we live in a time where there is a proliferation of new games coming out at a rate that is um, impossible to track. Um, I have kickstarted, and I think I can speak for both of you as well, far more games than I have time to play. Well, not me. No, <laughs> yeah, except for Jerry, right? Jerry's fine. No, no, no I'm saying, yeah, all... I, I'm saying that because I've backed, I, I've literally kickstarted over 400 things, so I'll never play them all. Right, so, exactly. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But it's it's even more than that. Like every now and then, like I pop out onto Twitter, and like somebody will name a game, and I'll be like shit, I don't know that game. And there used to be a time where I was pretty up on like Mm -hmm. everything that was getting put out. It is, we have just reached this golden age where um, there's just, there is stuff coming out on Kickstarter, on itch, like every, like it's just everywhere. It is. If you are a person who chases the new shiny, this is like your golden age. Um, Like, it's just amazing. Okay. So new games are new seems obvious right um and i think that's a lot of why people like them right it's something new it's something different it's you know a new experience to try um it is uh something that hasn't been done before or something that's been done before but now done differently like all of those reasons right that's what draws us to the new um but it comes with a few challenges um it's not it's not always easy um new games um if you're if you are literally chasing the shiny New games are often not played by a wide audience by the time you start them, meaning that there's less group knowledge to draw upon when you're learning the game. Like, for instance, if you were to learn 5e today, the amount of material that exists and the amount of people who could with a one with help you within a tweet with a question in D&D is massive. But if you are playing like a brand new game that has just come out, there's far less people who can help you with that. Uh, new games have fewer supplements um, and things to buy initially, right? They'll probably catch up over time. But if you're chasing the new, um, you might just have a core game. And if you're playing indie new games, that's not a, usually a big deal because most indie games are pretty small and tend not to have too many um, supplements. But like if you're on the cutting edge of 5e, if you were when it came out, like it came out with some stuff, but it took a little while before the rest of that filled in. Um, also, new games are unknown quantities. And that will put some people off. Like some people are just more risk averse than others. Um, and they just, they don't want to play things that aren't um, a little more established um, or have, you know, some reviews or, you know, some more people having played it, et cetera, et cetera. So it's not always everybody's favorite thing. I like it. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, Jerry, you have a vast collection of games and I know you're fond of a number of those. What's the draw and the challenge of having older games in your backlog? All right. I think old games are fantastic. Um, first of all, they bring back a lot of the nostalgia for we were just getting into the hobby. Uh, but nostalgia is a problem we're going to discuss in a moment. Um, in many cases, the games were simpler. A lot of the older games just didn't have rules for things, which allowed the GM to make a simple dice roll or, or ruling. And so the games tended to move more quickly because you didn't have people flipping through looking at pages and rules and so on. Um, 
some of the older games were very, very crunchy. And this appeals to a certain gaming style and can still be fun. For me, I love to play a game that sees the evolution of games. Things like the actual Chainmail game that came out. Um, Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay that had a lot of new concepts and how to run um, characters and, and literally building characters from the ground up. Games like GURPS that were the, were the first real universal systems, all warts and all. Uh, Marvel Face Rip, which had the universal table and really dealt with the idea of things from an abstract point, and so on. All of these older games that you see the bits and pieces of in modern games today, it's fun to go back and see the evolution of them and, and play them in their raw form and see where things come from. Um, I, I joke around about this, but if you've ever played any tabletop war game, whether it's Warhammer or X-Wing or any of those games, um, play Chainmail just once and you're like, oh, yeah, that's why all of these different things are like standards and we just accept them because this is where they came from. Um, sometimes when you're playing a game, you just don't want something new. You want a known quantity. You want to do something you know how to play. You know what to do with it. Um, and I'm going to tack on to this. Um, if you're doing a pickup game real quick, you know, everybody shows up and they want to run a role-playing game. Playing an older game that you know, like the back, you know, like the back of your hand can often just be easy because you can just sit down and run it without rule books or anything. Just have people create characters and roll with it. Mm -hmm. um, and often we're fond of these games because of the good experience we had with them when we first played them. But beware of the nostalgia trap. Some of the old games were fun because we didn't know that there were more different ways to play it. Sometimes we didn't know that there were more games out there to play. And sometimes they were fun just because the people we were gaming with. And there's always that new thing, the exploring and not having the game mastery yet. And the system mastery um, was part of the fun. Or, and this is a common thing for me, um, we gradually house-ruled them over time into a slightly different game. People talk to me all the time. I, I talk about running Village Atlantis for years at college. I was like, oh, that was so tough. And I look back, I'm like, yeah, that's because we took a lot of the math and everything else out of it and streamlined a lot of the other stuff so that we just made it a more playable game for our group. Um, it doesn't look like first, second, third, or new edition DNV. It looks like somebody started with that and then built onto it. And that's okay. Now, the good thing with an older game, but Phil, did you say something? Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I think I did the exact same thing to the Palladium system. I, I don't believe that we ever played the Palladium system correctly. Um, I played the Palladium system the way I thought it should run. Um, and we all enjoyed that. Much like as we discovered when we um, when we played Gangbusters, um, I also didn't run Gangbusters when I was in sixth grade um, correctly. <laughs> And when we played it as written, we were like, wow, this is painful. The game I so. want to watch, the game I still want to watch Phil try to run someday is the Indiana Jones role-playing game from TSR. Oh my God, I would I would love to run. I would love to run that 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 train wreck of a game. <laughs> yes. It was really bad. It was Nobody really gets to be indie. <laughs> And, and you know what? You don't need to be indie. That's not no. the problem with the game. No, it's just, it's also just, it's, it's that eighties. Um, it, it's what, it's a percentile, isn't it? Isn't it one of the. Uh, yes and no. It was a, it was a percentile plus a chart kind of combined okay. star frontiers. With, the problem was things like, um, and I'm not kidding. It takes like 67 bullets to kill a single Nazi. Um, 
And I think uh, like, we all know that's way too many bullets to kill a Nazi. And it's it's one of those kind of things. Like you can't simulate anything that happens in any of the movies. Because there's a lot of other problems with it, but it was a game that had a lot of it was it was one of those things where they bought a license and then slapped a game together for it and you know didn't know what to do with it after that. But it's, anyway, it's but I'd love to see you try to run that one because I think it'd be interesting. I would <laughs> I would I, you know what? I owned that game when I was a kid and so obviously got rid of it. Um, but I would totally love to get my hands on it and try, um, and try running it again. It is the ET of, uh, it is the ET of RPGs. The Atari game was much more enjoyable and much more playable because I owned both and I played E. I probably put six or seven hours in ET and ET was fun. I did too. All right. Uh, I'll let you go back to it. Go ahead. No problem. No problem. Um, so what are some of the good things about having an older game? First of all, um, there's lucky to be a bunch of supplements for it. it. The older the game is, the more stuff that's out there for it. Um, and there can be lots of aftermarket materials for it as well. Um, if it's an older game, you may already own it if you haven't thrown it away or sold it. <laughs> um, and you may al- already have settings and adventures for these. But remember, these can cause issues as well. Um, running an adventure that you ran back when you were 15 may not live up to the memory. Or if you have new players who've never played the game before, they might not have the connections to make that scenario special for them the way it was for your original group. So you might not be able to capture that nostalgia. Um, now, there might also be plenty of reviews about the game if you need help to convince somebody else about why they should play it. Um, now the downsides. First, it may no longer be supported by the publisher. So you might have a hard time finding more stuff for Indiana Jones, the role-playing game. There's not going to be a lot of new materials out there for it. Depending on the game, the PDFs may be hard to find if they exist at all. Um, the mechanics may be very dated. Now, this is a matter of taste. There's an entire industry out there that relies on people liking different mechanics and even the older mechanics out there. So that's okay, but they might be dated for the group today that's used to something different. Playing uh, something older might not appeal to newer gamers. They don't have the nostalgia to go with it, so they'll look at it and go, yeah, why do I want to play this game when I can go back to playing game X that I'm familiar with? And lastly, with a lot of older games, there's often problematic content that's not going to gel well with a lot of players. And that's understandable. Um, and it's something that should be dealt with and talked about before you run any game that's older and discuss what you are and are not going to have in your game, even if it exists in the game itself. So anything from sexism, racism, um, homophobia, all that kind of stuff that were common and often jokes in games in the old days, you might just need to write them out. Um, Yep. yep. Something as simple, something as simple but as offensive as, you know, different max stats for D and D characters based on your gender. Yeah. Because female characters apparently can't be as smart as male characters. Oh boy. Yeah, that's a problem right there. And, and, there, and I'm saying that problems. sarcastically. Drop that. Gender equality. Put it in all your games, people. Anyway, those are all things that can be downsides. All right, Phil. Part of getting your backlog to the table is convincing other people to play the game with you. So with all the games that you've run over the years, what kind of tips do you have for getting games to the table? Yeah. Um, first, by the way, I just did a quick Google search. I can't find a retro clone of the Indiana Jones role-playing game. Very sad. Um, I haven't looked for the PDFs yet, but I was just very sad. I was hoping like somebody had taken on the mantle of like cleaning that thing up. Anyway, about pitching games. There's no surefire way to get games to the table. Um, If you're lucky, the game that you're interested in, everyone else in the group is interested in too, and it becomes like a real um, easy sell. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but sometimes for games, especially games that people aren't familiar with, um, you're going to have to do some selling. Like you're going to actually have to sell this game to your group. Um, we have a few tips on pitching your games, which are really like a few tips about selling. Um, standard list disclaimer goes here, right? Uh, it's not complete and it's never in any order. Um, they just kind of roll off the head. Jerry, what's first tip? First tip is know your group. It'd be easier to know which games from your backlog to suggest if you know what's going to appeal to members of your group. If you know already which, which games they're not going to like or which games they really get excited about with other things, this would be something to show them to do um, and move on from there. Yeah. Um, another good another good way to pitch, another good tip for pitching games is explain why the game appeals to you. Um, sometimes the game on its surface won't sound appealing to everybody else. Like if you pitch it to them and just say like, this is what the game's about, people will be like, eh. But if you explain what it is that is making it appealing to you, um, you might connect with people and they might be like, oh, actually, I think I would find that interesting too. Um, so that's that's a good way to do it. Next, explain why it might appeal to them. Because you might talk to players and say, you know what, you guys have always wanted to try this or that. You've always talked about, you know, you've always wanted to talk, you've always wanted to play a post-apocalyptic game and Gamma World is one of them. You know, um, that sort of thing. It might appeal to them. You can sell it from there. Mm-hmm. Um, offer a one-shot or the four-game rule. So the idea here is make your pitch a low commitment. Um, some people are hesitant to jump into games because they're like, well, all we do is all we ever play are long campaigns. And if we start this one and we don't like it, like we're stuck in this game for the rest of our lives. Um, right? Don't do that. Um, make it a low commitment. Tell people like, hey, let's just play a one-shot of it, see what you guys think, or um, we'll play it, but we'll just play for four sessions and then we'll decide if we want to keep playing it. You know my four-game rule. I love it. To, I love it to death. It's going in my next Great book, idea. by the way. Um, anyway, by doing that and letting people know that this isn't forever, um, that sometimes helps people who are uh, risk-adverse. Um, that will help them kind of get over the hump about this. Next, pitch a genre they'll like. If the game you're running has multiple genres, pick the one that's the largest appeal. You know, if it's something new, like, for example, Genesis, you might say, hey, you guys all like Star Wars. Let's play this game that, that does a good job of simulating Star Wars. Um, or, you know, if it's something older and you're like, hey, you know, you guys all really like um, post-apocalyptic games. Let's play GURPS Auto Duel. Don't play GURPS Auto Duel, but play GURPS Auto Duel. <laughs> um, but seriously, find the thing that you like and, and, and toss it in there. A lot of games are good at running in multiple genres. And mm-hmm. different play groups have different styles and have things they like. Yeah. All right. Um, there's no one way to pitch game. Um, different groups have different ways that they pitch games when they're looking for a new game. Um, I think I've done probably all of these. Um, whatever works for your group. If your group has a method, obviously you're you're probably aware of it. If your group doesn't have a method, here are some suggestions of how to like ways to pitch games groups. Um, so one, you can just do the, um, you can do the big collaborate collaborative list, right? Everybody brings a couple of ideas with them to, you know, um, whether it's online or whether you're doing it face to face, everybody brings a couple of ideas. You make one big list and, um, and then you start going through the list and taking off things that people aren't interested in and, you know, narrowing it down till you finally find something you'd be surprised what, um, You'd be surprised what happens with that technique. That's oh, yeah. how we wound up playing Knights Black Agents. Um, mm-hmm. 
we all threw in a bunch of stuff and I don't remember which one of us, I think somebody threw Knights Black Agents in and I was like, I would run that like as a game, like I would totally run that. And it wound up being the pick. It was not the, it was not what I thought we were going to come out playing that night. Okay. Other groups, um, other groups, it'll be a little more GM centric since um, you ultimately have to get the GM to want to run the game to play it. Um, so sometimes GMs will come with a list of here are some things that I would like to run and then let the players pick from there. Um, the good part of that is if, um, if the GM brings the initial list um, and it's all stuff they're willing to run, then if the players find consensus among one of them, uh, you're all set. Like you've got it. Um, you've got it set up. And uh, sometimes groups just sit around um, with no lists and just talk and talk and talk until um, they figure a game out. I think if Bob um, remembers from uh, many, many years ago, um, we used to, at the 4th of July, go hang out at UB. um, And part of our 4th of July um, tradition, like while the sun was still up, while we would be, you know, just hanging out and relaxing in the sun or whatever, um, we would have our annual discussion of games and inevitably we would switch campaigns um, on or around the 4th of July. Like there'd be a big discussion and then we'd all leave that night. Like, okay, guess we're going to be starting to play game X. So yep. um, you can, you can do it without any kind of system. Like, and I'm sure there's other systems that other groups have like weighted voting or whatever. Um, really there's no, I don't want to say there's no wrong way to do it. There's actually some wrong ways to do it. As long as everyone in the end is giving enthusiastic consent to play in the game, you've made it. That's probably um, the trickiest part is um, know the difference between consent and enthusiastic consent. Um, Anyone can say yes. Uh, Enthusiastic consent is yes with some excitement and interest behind it. Um, I have had far too many games die four, five, six sessions in um, because some people at the table only consented and didn't enthusiastically consent. And then ultimately we're not happy with anything that was going on. Yeah. And eventually we just, you know, would put the game out of its misery um, there, rather than point, try to push through. There's a point where some people, they get into a mindset where they're like, I'm just happy to be at the table with you guys. And so they're like, oh, you guys all want to play game X. I'm not real keen on that game, but I'll play because I just want to play with you. And it's like, if you're not interested in the game, you're not going to be enthusiastic about it. You're not going to have the excitement. You're not going to be invested. All that stuff we've talked about in previous shows. And you're not going to have a good time. Even if you think you're going to have a good time because you're playing with your buddies, if you're not enthusiastic about the game, your yep. enjoyment is going to suffer. And so will everyone else's. Um, yeah. That's, I mean, if you truly are, like if you are truly like, I will just play anything because I want to hang out with these people. And that's like legitimately your motivation. I think it could work, but I think when most people say that they don't quite mean it. I think Bob's right. I think they, it's not quite that Um, you can enthusiastically consent to play as long as you enthusiastically consent. It's okay. If you're like, man, I'll just play whatever. It doesn't matter to me. It's not as much. Um, It, it always winds. It'll be something later. (laughs) Like it's been my experience. It'll just, 
that'll just be something later. It, it just will. All right. Hey, so that is our look at gaming backlogs. We're going to check in the chat room and see how things are going. And before we do, Ba, or before we do, Phil, I have uh, PDFs of all the Indiana Jones CSR stuff. I just found yes. it. So I will send it over to you. Um, anyway, um, but first, Bob is going to tell us about another show on the Misdirected Mark Network. Yeah, we got a show on the network called The Lounge, where Doc Palindrome goes out and he finds the best, the brightest, and the most fun game designers and sits down and have a cool chat with them. You never know what kind of conversation is going to come up in The Lounge. All right. Chat room is kind of enraptured by the, uh, excuse me, by the topic so far tonight. Um, I did see I did see a couple games go by right. Aegon was was named. Yeah. Gator mentioned Aegon. Yeah. Um, my own personal opinion, after I read through the rules, the rule system doesn't really speak to me. The setting sounds really cool, but there's just some things about the rules that just they 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 didn't overwhelm me. They didn't they didn't jump out and be like, oh yeah, go play this now. So, but if you enjoy that I, game, more power to you. I played it for several weeks. And it has some broken mechanics. One of the mechanics in the game is that experience points are given out in such a way that the players who roll better get more of the experience pool. You literally have a, a there's this many experience points available for the party. Whoever rolled higher gets like half of them. And then whoever rolled next gets like a third of them and then everybody else gets less. I'm using the percentages wrong, but it's one of these things that if you roll really well, uh, in the early, not make good choices. Just if you roll really well in the early stages of the game, you will always be ahead of everybody else, and that makes you roll better. So once you start, if you start out fast, you're gonna just advance at a much faster level. And it's also a game where, because of the way the scenarios and game is written, um, most except for gaining experience points, most of what you do until the final roll of the scenario don't mean anything. So choices you make, things you do, stuff you acquire has no effect on the final outcome of each of each adventure. It's only the final role that makes a difference. And so it ends up being a game where you're just kind of stumbling along trying to get experience points till the end and hope that you roll higher than everybody else. So if that appeals to you and you like um, competitive role playing, then Aegon would be a good thing. If you're a game where you want play, where you want to work together as a team, Aegon doesn't work very well for that. So it did not appeal to me, but that, that's why I have a problem with it. I don't like games that are where you're in competition with everybody else in the group for everything. So anyway, that's my take on Aegon. I <clears throat> sat through it. So um, quite a few oh. talks about people with lots of Kickstarters. Yeah. Kickstarter, oh, right? Just like my Kickstarter list. Every time one drops off, there seems like there's another one added. So it's like mm-hmm. hovering around the same level constantly. <laughs> I keep waiting for it to shrink down to like, you know, oh, there's only like three or four games left outstanding. No. <laughs> I've done better this last couple of years as I've tried to, to trim down. I just got somebody, I'm like, I look at things, I'm like, am I supporting this because I like the designer or am I supporting this because this is a game I actually think I will ever play? Or is this a game that I can just wait until somebody else buys it and runs it? Because I'm never going to actually run this game. And that's the way I look at some stuff. Yeah. Um, no, I think it, I think it's legitimate. I mean, I um, I have done both um, mm-hmm. in my time. I have definitely backed a game because um, I've definitely backed a game because it was um, you know somebody that I wanted to support. Yeah. Um, 
and then you know knowing that like oh i'm never gonna play this game there are games that i back that i'm like oh i'm gonna play this game and then like by the time it comes around i'm like yeah like yes maybe but like as we talked about like your backlog changes over time right um so maybe not now right so sometimes i get a game and i'm like oh cool and i put it up on the shelf and been like "Eh, it might come around at some point yeah i just got an a a third-party expansion for a game that i for a board game that i have card game that i have on my shelf that finally came out like three years after and i'm no longer playing that game so i've got i still have the game and i'm like i might just leave these in the shrink wrap and just put them on like ebay or something kind of thing um i mean there is still the fun of i forgot i backed this this is cool i get to open something kind of thing but uh yeah but yeah there's there's some good stuff out there though There, there are still really good um kickstarters coming out as people do more and more um i guess i want to say exotic games we're seeing a lot more games that that people are like i want this game to only do this thing but it does it really well so let's make a game about it and that's okay mm-hmm. uh i i think there's yeah. a lot more games out there that are meant to be played as repeated one shots as opposed to campaigns you know, when when we were growing up, Phil, most of the games that were coming out, those role playing games were kind of designed that you were going to design a play a character and play that character for, you know, six months to two years. Where there's a lot more Kickstarters I'm seeing where I read the game design, I'm like, that's obviously intended to be like one or two story arcs, and that's it. Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah. Yeah. I, and I think that's okay, right? I think yeah, that's um, great. Oh, absolutely. I think that in the '80s, games were like designed to be like you can play this game forever, and nobody mm-hmm. does. I mean, I say yeah. nobody does. There's somebody out there playing like an original D and D campaign for like yep. 30, 40 years. But whatever. Mm-hmm. The point being is that on average, most of us play six months to two years in a single campaign and then mm-hmm. move on. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, it's okay. Like, um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think that. Um, I think a few like like Hydro Hackers is a game that I think in a few like a story arc or two you've probably gotten everything mm-hmm. um, you need out of that game, like in terms of experience. Well, I think um, the good thing is that because we have the the mindset of that game design has changed, it's allowing us to get a lot of really good games out there that probably wouldn't be feasible as a long campaign, yes. but as a you want to play this kind of adventure and this is or whatever this is the game for you. Um, it's, you know, like it, it works, it works well like that because you can mm-hmm. play it, get what's done, you know, um, like I, I, I feasibly don't see people playing a six month campaign of honey heist, but damn, it's fun no. for a one shot. Okay? Yeah, no, exactly. Um, but yeah, it's fun for a one shot. That's great. You know, that, that's what yeah, I mean. I like, I look so. at it as like, the, there's a ton of games out there that are being designed to give you a curated experience at the table. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And that, that's that a great way to put it. Experience might be one session. It might be a couple of sessions. It might be longer, but it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's like a whole different mindset than what came before. And it's refreshing. And, and there's a lot of really creative ideas out there. And so I love just going through and even looking at, at some of the stuff that's, that's being uh, developed just to see, you know, where people are going with their ideas. Um, because there's just some really interesting stuff out there. So, I think we also don't play well. We, while we don't play as often as we used to, I think we also don't play for as long as we used to. The no, let's get together definitely. on Sunday and play from 
11 in the morning until midnight kind of game sessions don't generally get played by a lot of the gaming stuff as you get older and you get you know adult responsibilities you can't do that as much anymore yeah and so just, there's a lot of games that are designed for the shorter play sessions um it's it you know i remember that um for me and i could be wrong or i shouldn't say i could be wrong i could it could be different from other people my first encounter with the idea of a four-hour session was third edition at in third edition was the first time where they were like session should be about four hours long and i was like really because <laughs> that's because that's not how we used to do it like no. in the 90s our yeah. game day involved stopping to have a whole meal and then starting up again like when i was running vnv and and mecton my big mecton game my players used to come to my apartment in auburn sleep overnight we would get up in the morning and make breakfast while we took turns showering and as soon as we were done showering we started gaming until monday morning when everybody left to go home so they could get three hours to go back to work the next day right and that that's how we used to do it and yeah. we'd stop we'd stop for lunch and then we'd stop to go to the chinese place and that was about it so yeah which is fine yeah but i very much remember like i very much remember um my gaming sessions um all like post-college like yeah. just post-college and then it um it actually i mean as with a lot of things like my gaming changed a lot once i had kids um yep. And four-hour sessions became more of the norm, those kinds of things. Um, and now, I don't know, like, I have the freedom to, to play, like, seven or eight hours. I just don't know if I have the stamina anymore as, you know, approaching the 5-0 if, uh, if I have a full day of gaming in me. Maybe? And even the four hours, we, like, we haven't hit four hours in a long time. Nah, we fuck around a lot. Like, um, but yeah. like, you know, there's, 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 everybody's got their own things, right? Everybody's got, yeah. you know, work and this and that and the other thing. Um, most of our sessions, if Glenn's in them, you know, we got to be done by 1030 because then Glenn's got to get up in the morning to do work. Um, whereas others of us can stay up later, but we always usually wrap up by like 10, 1030. Um, some of us, you know, don't, you know, we don't gather sometimes until six o'clock and, you know, so yeah. we, it's fluctuated a lot more over the last couple of years. And that was pre pandemic too. Um, like maybe five years ago was four or five years ago was probably maybe the last time we would solid four hour sessions where we even like put in like a, let's try to get the four hours in kind of a. Yeah. And then we've all just kind of relaxed on it, like, ah, we're going to get a good solid session in tonight because that's the group that we have. The groups that we have are usually, like, even if we don't put in four, whatever time we put in, it's going to be good solid gaming because we all get into the game and we focus and we do our thing. Um, the longest so time changes. we spent was the uh, Super, was Super Bowl Sunday where we gamed in the morning and then Super Bowl in the afternoon. Yeah. And even that was, you know, we take a long time for that. So, yeah, Chris that's made okay. an excellent point yeah. in the chat room. The 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 two to four hour time slot has actually made it more accessible to people who, you know, thought like, well, I don't have you know six to eight hours of a, of a day to, to devote to a game, and it's like, oh, you can you can do this in you know four hours. Well, okay, let's let's see if we can do that. Um, that so yeah, that, that's been my that's been my running joke about boardies. You're like, oh, you know, long form board games like you know. 
terraforming Mars or the other one, the, what is it, Twilight Imperium? You know, we're going to set up and play for 12 hours. I'm like, if I can get four people together for 12 hours, I'd rather role play than board game. But that's my preference. Other people would rather board game than role playing for sure. that time, which, which is also cool. Um, yep. You know, no wrong, bad fun in that case. Nope, no so. wrong, bad fun. All right, we should probably jump into the second half here. Mm -hmm. So, Deeper. welcome back to our discussion about gaming backlogs. Our roundtable has been expanded today to four questions, and we're also going to ask the chat room to include some of their answers to these questions as we talk about them. So, what's the first question, Phil? Question number one, name a game you have previously played slash enjoyed and would like to play again. Jerry? Well, for me, Masks. I've played a lot of Masks, but it's never been more than one session. Oh, that's too bad. I've run Thanks. Masks a couple times. And the players I've run it for just aren't into superheroes or teens, and so it didn't work out well. And every time I play Masks, it's like either a pickup game or it's at a convention or something. So I've never actually played Masks more than once. I got to play the same character twice because we needed a certain character archetype, and the GM let me bring in the character that I'd run in a previous game that they ran at a convention. And, and that character died at the end. So uh, even though we didn't get any, any character growth. So I would look to play masks and have a chance for some actual character drama and growth. Um, that's what I would like to do because it's a great game. And the GMs who run it from one in four in four hour sessions, a lot of them are really good. It's just, you don't get the same experience from running it just once. So that's my thing. Cool. Yeah. For me, yeah. Uh, it's witchcraft. I, there's something about that game that speaks to me in certain ways. And like every time I've played it, I've really enjoyed it. Um, so if I got an opportunity to throw that down on the table again, I would play that in a heartbeat. I, you know, it's funny in, in, in the pandas game, I was talking about, um, I made a short list of old RPGs that I thought I could get Senda to play and witchcraft was on that list. Mm -hmm. I was like, Oh, I like, there's just something about that game. Yep. I'm with you, Bob. Uh, mine's a little newer. Um, mine would be Tales from the Loop or Things from the Flood. Um, we had a um, amazing Tales from the Loop game um, that I could easily see that we could do like another segment of um, of that. Or um, at a point when we are feeling, <laughs> I don't know when this will be, um, someday in the future when we're a little more emotionally buffered, um, we could play the darker one, the uh, things from the flood, a game that my um, that our group, Bob was part of that group, um, that group stopped playing uh, because we we were too depressed after playing it. It was like super dark and heavy. Um, yep. So I would do either one of those. I like I like the system a lot. I love the setting. Um, Tales was Tales was an absolute blast. Like I. I had fun with every session of Tales. Um, oh, that game, so for whatever much, reason, like, the, the combination that we ended up with was one of those lightning in a bottle. The players, the characters, the, the effort, the enthusiasm, the intensity, everything gelled into a perfect union. And that game was so much fun. Yeah. I had a lot of fun with that game. I had a lot of fun. And like I said, I really liked the system and I really liked the setting. I could easily do a return to that, a return to that game. Yep. 
how about the chat so room? So as far as the I chat saw... room goes, uh, Gator would love to play the uh, the next session of Masks uh, that follows after the QCC game that was played, which uh, I heard part of it because I was in another game at the time, but that sounded like it was going very well. So I ran that one, and the idea was everyone at the table, uh, it was prom night, and um, the super teens went to their prom um, only to be captured by aliens um, and brought aboard um, their space fortress, which was like that had appeared over the city. It was IE a um, it was a take on dangerous space jail, except for masks. Um, but the um, the real I don't know if I, I don't know. I don't want to say the real spark to that game. What really made that game special was everyone also everyone at the table played somebody else's prom date. That was just a normal person. And um, those interactions were priceless. Um, Gator and Nor, Nor's superhero and Gator's um, and Gator as the date was just one of the funniest things. Her character was the bull, right? The super strong one. (laughs) It was just so much fun. There was a line in it where um, Nor looks at um, her date and she's like, she's like, what did my parents tell you about me? And And he's like, that you were a strong woman and she's like, yes. yes. And she's like holding like, you know, like 10 guys back with one hand. It was hilarious. Um, th- there was a whole bunch of things with that. Um, I had different um, prom couples, like the two that go as friends, but discover that during it, they're really into each other. Um, the king and queen of the prom, all this stuff. I, the characters that came out of that would actually be fun to see in a future, um, in a future game. Like that was a, that was a pretty cool group of, uh, pretty cool group of characters. So yeah, I would run that Gator. I would definitely run that. And Jerry, I would run a masks game at some point in the future. It's, um, it's a super cool system and it is one that actually mm-hmm. does pay off if you play it more than just a, a one-off. Yeah. It's yeah. good. Luckily I've played it with Ange and she tends to get a lot of good, emotional stuff into her games but it's tough to to get a feel for masks all the way with a, in a in a four-hour session certain playbooks also suit um multiple multiple play as well um yeah. the legacy bob bob played the legacy the legacy really pays off when um uh when the history of like you know the legacy's history comes into play um the janice who's like the peter parker like yep. having all the interactions of their personal life come crashing into their superhero life. Like you can't get, like you just don't get all that in a, in a one shot. You can get some of it, but you won't get all of it. Mm-hmm. It's good. Right. Yeah. Cool. Right, what's the second question? Second question. Name a game you've previously played, but you're not sure if you enjoy it again, if you played it now and why. Uh, I racked my brain for this one and I'm probably just going to defer to Phil for for similar reasons so let's uh let's sure. let's jump on we can, we'll discuss it we'll discuss it here my pick for this was corporation um corporation is a game where you are um you are not good people um like it is very dystopian you are not good people the world is not a good place um and when it came out in the early 2000s that didn't bother me in a combination of some of it being me and some of it being, um, I don't know, privilegedly blind to how bad the world was at times. Um, 
so that ignorance is bliss kind of let us play some like awful people in a very dystopian cyberpunk uh, game. And I look at it now and I'm just like, Oh, I, I, I like, I just couldn't like I, this setting is very compelling, but it's like, I can't play anything that dystopian right now. Like I don't, yeah. I just don't have the interest in it. There's just so many things about that. That just it's like, uh, like, I don't, I don't know if I can go there. Now that being said, the engine that runs that system, all right, yeah, that system is is brutal. Um, and it's I called think brutal. It's called brutal. Yeah, um, I think it would make a great engine for a gritty fantasy campaign. Oh, and, yeah, I mean, be a meat grinder of a fantasy game. Oh yeah, I started yeah. taking those rules and like kind of rewriting them into into a fantasy, like scraping off all the cyberpunk and trying to 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 reskin it. Um, and then I, you know, other projects got in the way and I haven't gone back to it, but, uh, but at one point I started playing with it like that just to see what would come out of it. And, uh, and I think it would be a very interesting, like super gritty meat grindery kind of fantasy thing. Um, the, you know, the system is cool. I like the system. I like the way it works, but the setting right is a pretty light. The, it was a, it was a pretty light system that had, um, some real power fantasy shit to it. Like, yeah. Um it was it was possible with a little money um you could get some ridiculous weapons in that game. Oh yeah. Um <laughs> like like ridiculous weapons. Um yeah. in terms of uh like things that you could do. It was um like I said it just like you just you played the corporations. Right? That's why it was called corporation. Like you played agents of the corporations. Um and you just like your job was to further the agenda of these corporations and each one of them, even the quote good guy one, like was still terrible. Like yeah. there, there was not a good corporation in the bunch. It was like, well, which flavor of terrible do you want to yeah. be? Um, so yeah. it, um, it just was, it's too dystopian for my tastes now played a bunch of it in its day i really like i enjoyed it back then just mm, mm, don't think it could do it today yep got right, jerry you got jerry all right uh for me it'd be star frontiers i like yeah. star frontiers i love star frontiers i've recently reread star frontiers i don't think the mechanics are going to hold up uh <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be i i know phil likes this and, and and chris both like to talk about how like savage worlds is once you get past a certain point, you're just making the same dice roll over and over and over again. Star Frontiers, there are there are no tactics. There are no it's this is your stat, roll it or not. And maybe there's a modifier to it. But the setting is still a lot of fun. Um mm-hmm. and the scenarios are actually kind of interesting. Um because they were they tried to go for something that wasn't just hack and slash shoot the bad guy all the time. And they had some very fun mm-hmm. scenario ideas that, that that were very flexible. So I think gonna, the, the go ahead. Go ahead. I'm going to tell you this game's the good candidate for something. Yep. Yeah. Oh, well, I've I've I have said Cough, already Prime. multiple Cough. times. <laughs> I I think we talked about that when you were talking about it designing a game. I'm like, we could run it. Run it. We could definitely run Star Frontiers in Cortex without any difficulty at all. I um, totally think we could. For I, a while, I was savaging the hell out of it, 
and just dropped that entirely. And now I just want to look at how to star frontiers it or how to, how to cortex it. Oh, I totally think, I totally think cortex would work for star frontiers. We, I mean, yep. Yep. quite easily could just pick um, stats and skills um, mm-hmm. could have, um, could have some talents or, you know, effects or special effects for the interesting things about the um, species in the game. I, I think the way to do it, I think your distinctions would be um, your main focus and your species abilities. Sure. And then I think, and then I think you'd have your prime stats, and your yep. skills would just be um, the the skill, the skill list right from the book. Right from the book, trimmed out a little bit. The Star Frontiers had a lot of the '80s issues where they broke some skills down into way too many categories you don't need. Like you don't need mm-hmm. beam weapons, gyro jet weapons, slug throwers, uh, yes. plasma weapons, and sonic. It's just guns. It's fine. Shoot. You know, that kind of. Are you yeah, shooting shoot. it or are you yes. stabbing it? Like, exactly. Which I think we've learned from Cortex playing Ox. That's how that works well, and that that's how a lot of games. Yeah. That, that that's how you would do it because even we trimmed down some of our some of our skills originally. Like, yeah, we could we combine those two into a skill thing. So in yeah. Long Live the Queen, there are two combat skills um, for the Cortex game that Sunday and I are playing, which are combat um, combat contemporary combat future. So oh, okay. if you're using um, if you're using swords, muskets, and things like that, that's combat contemporary. And if you're using any of the Kronos materials that they brought from the future, mm-hmm. then it's yeah. combat future. That was a cool yeah, way to break it, it out. That, that, that's why I liked about Barbarians Lemuria was that you basically had melee and ranged. Yeah. And, and that was it. Like yeah. everything else was just like, there were lots of little twists and spins you could put on it based on your other abilities, but it was basically just melee and ranged. If I remember correctly, Corporation also suffers from having um it has like in some places it has like one skill covers a whole bunch of things and then it has like 15 combat skills like different weapon skills that has been my argument about every mecha game i've ever played is that the part of the problem with almost all of them is that if you want to be remotely good at being a mech pilot that's all you can do because there are so many mecha skills you can't have a character who's a adventurer and a spy and also knows how to pilot a mech because you won't have enough points in mech skills to do anything because there's like nine of them where games that combine them down to very simple things make it a lot easier. Um, when we played um, Heavy Gear online, one of our GMs was an active tank commander. And one of the first things he did is he went through the skill list and just said, we're combining these two, we're combining these two, we're combining, you know, scrap all this stuff. You, you need this stuff and that's it. And made the game much more playable by trimming down the skill list, not adding to it. So cool. anyway, I think Star Frontiers would be a lot of fun. Um, I don't think running it in Star Frontiers would be the way to go. I think running Star Frontiers in Cortex would be very, very simple to do. So could uh, be a lot of fun. Lot of we fun. should really look at that. Yeah, I've been tossing it around in my head. So we should definitely talk about exercise, it. Exercise, <laughs> you know. Yeah. <clears throat> Chat room. Uh, Chat room has got nothing at the moment, so okay, we'll, we'll move on to the next. Give one. him a All pass. Right. Question three, All right. name a game you want to run, but you don't think enough people are going to be interested in playing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Um, I will say that the game that I think I could not, or I would have the most trouble getting a group together for is Transit. Um, Transit is a PBTA game where you play sentient spaceships, your AI spaceships that are going out on missions. 
um, and um, you are the actual spaceship. Like there are people living inside you kind of thing. Um, I think there's some cool transhumanist ideas that could be explored in it um, along with, you know, doing space mission stuff. Um, but like I've, I've mentioned it and only like one or two people are like, Oh, that's kind of interesting. And then I think it's more like, yeah, yeah. Well, we're never going to play that. Um, my runner up for that. My runner up is cartel, but I actually think I can get a group together for cartel. I, the problem is it'll be, it would have to be a complete, it would have to be a different group. I don't think from all the groups I, from the two groups I have, like, I know Bob's not really interested in playing, um, bad guys like you've played it before but like cartel would be a game where you just you have to play some bad people doing bad things and um and that's like one where i like i could sell it to some people i'm not gonna be able to sell it to everybody like i couldn't get a whole group to play that i'd have to like break up a group and make a group to play that kind of thing so now now can we mash up cartel and Passion de Passiones. No, like, I want to play like cartel. <laughs> I, I want to play like cartel, like I'm hard kidding. narco fiction, yes. right? Look, because yes. you certainly could play a more melodramatic version of it. But like, I really want a um, Breaking Bad narcos, um, like kind of gritty, dark yeah. um, narco fiction kind of thing. The two times I played it were both at conventions and we had a ball playing it very, very um, hardcore dark. So. Yeah. So that's me. All right. For me, um, to be honest, I just think it's a case of getting the right people. I've I've never had a game where I've said, I want to play this game and can't get somebody in the game groups to play it. Um, and not because I'm just an amazing GM. It's just, I'm not saying I am. I'm saying it's just because I play with enough different groups of people that I can find somebody in those groups. But um, I would love to run Face Rip Marvel again because the group that I used to run it for they're just not superhero people. And so I don't, don't think it, wor- it worked very well for them. Um, I would love to run Faith Strip Marvel again. Um, I'd also, I've never gotten a chance to get Heroes of Hellas to the table, which is the Barbarians of Lemuria system. Um, basically, uh, it's ancient Greece if Ray Harryhausen was writing all of it. It is over the top, um, all sorts of, you know, your characters are, are not quite demigods, but they're larger than life. And um, basically all the fun stuff of the, the Sinbad movies and the, the Clash of the Titans and Jason and the Argonauts and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, big monsters and all that kind of fun stuff. So it's, 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 I just think it'd be fun to play, um, especially after playing Aegon, where it had a similar feel. I think the game system for uh, Heroes of Hellas would capture more of that um, Harryhausen feel. And, and Harryhausen is kind of a guilty pleasure of mine. So I love all of this stuff. So. If you don't know who that is, that's the guy who did all of the special effects and monster work for the 1980s era Clash of the Titans. He did the 60s, 70s, and 80s Sinbad movies. He did um, all the special effects for, um, oh, what's the name of the movie? Shoot, it's my tongue now. Um, he did a bunch of that, that, that era, the lots of stop motion stuff that um, uh, just kind of captured things to the point actually where there were times that he would just make monsters and leave them on his desk and the directors would come in and they'd pick up a bunch of stuff and ask him about them. Like, what is this? And then they'd go back to their writers and say, okay, write us a movie where this stuff shows up. Yeah. And that's literally how you ended up with some of his stuff. So anyway, that just would make for a fun game. 
Bobby. Yeah, Ray Harryhausen was essentially like the pioneer in stop motion photography, stop motion animation. Yeah. Like he, he, he call him the godfather of that of that uh, type oh, yeah. of special effects. So yeah, um, uh, with with my um, lack of GMing, um, this question was kind of hard for me. Um, I can't think of something that I would that I would be uh, like if I was going to run something, I'd really want to run this, but I don't think anybody would want to play it. Like I can't. Well, what about from the player side? Yeah, like, what's the game you from like the player play side? Yeah, you know, I'm 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 drawing a blank on that one too. There's uh, there's not a lot of uh, there's not a lot of headspace for that right now. And speaking of headspace, <laughs> segue, boom, boom. Gator has pitched headspace so many times and gotten no traction on it, um, which is unfortunate because headspace is a really really good game. Um, we did we one, almost did it. We we had one game of it that we had a, a, at least a couple of sessions, didn't we? No, no, no. We were in February of, of 2020. We played in February 2020. We did a session zero. Yeah. We made characters and we did the whole background linking thing for our characters. And the setting that we had picked was Vancouver with the um, with the viral epidemic. Yep. And, and then, then March bam. 2020 happened, <laughs> and we were like, "Yeah, hmm. we can't play this game." No. Like. <laughs> Like playing in a setting with a global pandemic seems like a terrible idea right now. So I think we, we had a session, like we had a character creation. Plus we did like all the questions that link them Mm -hmm. all together. Like we definitely had a headspace group. I actually really like um, the concept of headspace. Like that is a game that I could like at some point bring back to play. Like I would not be opposed to that game. But it, it got it, it died for us because it happened yeah. um at exactly the timing. wrong time. <laughs> Very bad. I timing. think the game you're thinking of is the sprawl. We did the sprawl for, for like three sessions. No, we I definitely played in a headspace game, but it's it was probably a con game that I'm remembering okay. because no, I remember I, I, playing I've a played full it as a session con game of like too. an actual, you know, an actual setting of, of like doing things and not just the session zero. So it was probably a con game. The memory's not quite what it used to be. So, All right. So that'll bring us to our last question. Yep. Our question number four. Name a game uh, you have not yet run, and for you, Bob, not yet played, that you are excited to get to the table. All right. Um, I would love to run or play the Sensos of the Multiverse role-playing game. Uh, that looked really fun. I, I did the one of the playtest sessions. It was kind of neat. Um, I also would love to play Genesis in the Terranoth system, their fantasy version. Um, while I've played it in the in the Star Wars version, um, the fantasy version is a different kind of game, and I think it'd be a lot of fun to play um, or run because um, hmm. it would kind of scratch that combination of slightly crunchy, while also um, lots of because of the narrative dice thing, uh, lots of room for uh, player control and direction and. and and lots of encounters that don't have to be just stab somebody. Um, and as I said before, I'd love to play some sort of Star Frontiers. So that one looks like it's probably the most likely to come to the table at their earliest convenience. So those are the three. Um, I've played the playtest version of the Sentinels of the Multiverse. The one that they had as a download. Um, actually, I ran it. I didn't play it. I ran it. And uh, again, with a group that wasn't big on superheroes. So we only played like a three-hour session, and that was it. But I liked the way the game mechanics worked, and I think it would—I think it'd be a lot of fun to play. 
Um, so those are my three. Sons of the Multiverse, Turn Off Genesis, and some sort of Starford Heroes. Bob? Jerry, I, I can't help but ask how you keep ending up with superhero games and a group that doesn't do superheroes. <laughs> The same Is group. it the same group? Like the same group. Oh, we would okay. we would we would get to a point somebody's like, oh, what do we want to do next? You know, what do we want to do next? Oh, let's uh let's try something different. And I would say, well, you know, we thought about this, and we would start to create characters, and very quickly there, there are a couple reasons. One is like masks, like half by players didn't like playing kids. Like if you told them you're gonna play teenagers, half of them wanted to be 19. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, well then that's not gonna work. Well, you know, um, with some games like Sentinels, there's a certain mindset to players that you need to have to play a superhero game properly, uh, not properly, but to play it in a certain vein. If you're going to play four color comics and that, if I, that was the problem is I get to the table with a bunch of players and I'm looking to play like 1980s era Marvel superheroes and two of the players want to play Watchmen and one wants to play the Dark Knight and one wants to play Teen Titans Go. And that's not going to meld well together in no. a in a in a classic Marvel campaign. No. Um, you know, we had one session where we were playing Face Rip Marvel, and one of the players decided to play a basically a sentient group of nanites who had went to work and came home and had no outside attachments at all, had no friends, had no family, really didn't have a job, had nothing else, and so a lot of that a lot of Face Rip Marvel is about what happens. You know, what happens to Peter Parker when he's not fighting the scorpion kind of thing? And this character mm-hmm. just went home and sat there and did nothing. And they seem to enjoy it. So that's fine. But it was tough to GM for that because nothing's, you know, you're focusing on the things. Yeah. So just that's that's why I'm like, you know, we're just not going to run superhero games anymore. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, pl- players that didn't want to form a super team, players that didn't want to, uh, you know, um, decided right from the get go that they all hated the Avengers for various reasons i had that happen once um you know players that some players just wanted to come in and and be like they were sick of this kind of thing and some that were just showing up to play a game yeah and i happened to be running a superhero game at the time and some some jumped into it some took it and ran with it um but it just didn't work and um and it's not their fault at all it's just it was the wrong game for that group of players yeah and we tried different because we'd say like, oh, you know, somebody's like, oh, I really enjoyed playing. When I ran Face at Marvel the first time that I played it here in Buffalo, I ran basically the return of Omega Flood. And half the players liked it, half the players didn't have a good time with it. So a year later or two years later, they're like, some of them were like, oh, I'd love to play that again. We had a lot of fun with that. So we like, oh, I've got a good idea for a character. And we did it again, and it just didn't go anywhere. Um, and I ran one. I ran a game of V&V. We made an hour into the game. Like, yeah, we're not doing this. First, it's done. We're going to play. Uh, let's play a board game. Because I could tell an hour into character generation, this was not going to work for this group. And it's okay. You just do something else. Um, yeah. You know, I, I would I would not enjoy playing certain game systems myself. And I would still give it an honest shot, but I know that it would not be my choice. And there's nothing wrong with yeah. that. So that's yeah. me. Um, okay. So for me, this one would be um, definitely Star Trek Adventures. Um Yes, I I have been kind of uh, in the background. I'm enjoying the games that we're playing, but in the background, I'm like, I want to play a Trek game. I want to play a Trek game. Let's play Trek, <laughs> you know. And the Star Trek Adventures system sounds like a really good uh, system to to play some Trek in. So, I really uh, would would love to do that. And then the other thing is, just because I bought it because it's gorgeous and I, I felt like it, um, the the new Free League version of the One Ring, 
I would really like to have that at the table and take a shot at that and see how that goes. Yeah. Um, just because you know it's it's an it's an interesting setting and with free league behind it with the with the way free league puts games out with the rule system and everything, you know that would be cool. Yeah, I mean I do love a good free league game. Yeah, I have one on my list actually. There you go. Um, so on my on my list I have a one that I forgot to put on there, so I'll name it at the end. Um, hot on my list right now is Mutants in the Now, the mm-hmm. um, modern retelling of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, TMNT was a game that I fondly played in high school. Um, again, it's a Palladium game, so it has all the problems of being a Palladium game um, and uh, its own challenges of um, being an 80s game. But this game addresses all of those problems, cleans it up, and makes a much um, a much nicer system with all the fun stuff in it, like making your mutant animal and getting to tweak your... Um, it's not called BioE. It's got another name, but uh, Goop P or Goop, I think it's G-O-O-P or something um, that lets you, you know, decide what kind of hands and how human you look and all that stuff. Super excited. I really, really want to, I one would run it for you guys. I also would, um, I also would very much, I very much want to go back and run it for my high school group um, (laughs) who played TMNT. Like I would love to do a one shot with them as kind of a retro thing. So that's on there. Star Trek adventures is absolutely on there. The thing I need to figure out how to bridge is that that is a game that, um, uh, Senda will, um, Senda and Schmitty will actually really want to play. And so my feeling for that is that game may just need to be an online game. Gator wants to play. You've wanted to play like that may just not be one for home group. That may be one for a virtual group. Um, but STA would STA is on my list, um, as well. I've also just been like, oh, I could just, I could just, um, cortex this thing and not have to use STA, right? Like it would be super easy to make a, um, a, um, cortex version of Star Trek, but I think I want to actually give STA a shot. Yeah. Um, my free league game that I really want to play, which based on timing, (laughs) <laughs> maybe one that needs to get put up on the shelf for a little bit is yeah. twilight 2000. Um, super excited about the game. It's a free league game. Um, it has all of the things that um, I love about free league games, but based on current events, this might be one that has to go to the bottom of the list for a little while until um, a time where um, it isn't so current and real. Yeah. Um, the superhero game that I would like to get to the table is Spectaculars. I, I don't know if you guys are familiar with it. What's that? I always forget which one that is. That's, um, I'm trying to remember. That's from Scratchpad Publishing. They do the, um, what's that fantasy heist game? Jerry really likes it. Oh, uh, um, I want to say River City Outlaws, but Dusk City Outlaws. Dusk City Outlaws. It's made by, it's made by them. And it's basically like a giant book where you basically put together a comic book world and um, and play everything through it. Um, let's see. It, the game comes in a, in a box set with all the game materials for an entire gaming group to start playing. It's designed to be easy to start playing uh, even on a moment's notice. Once all the players are familiar with the rules, it only takes minutes. Um, but it's got like scenarios. It's got like a whole world. Like it's a whole um, it's a whole thing. Um, that is a game that, um, 
it is not a small price game. It's like a, I think it's like a 70 or $80 game, but I feel like that, like, I feel like with the right group, that would be a really fun game um, to get to the table because it's like being the editor of a comic book. Like it's, it's like the being like the editor of Marvel kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, so uh, that game's been on my um, backlog for a little while. And uh, if, if I was going to do it, I would do the full, um, not the PDF. Like I'll just buy the whole yeah. box set because it comes with scratch pads and um, character sheets and a deck of power cards and identity. Yeah. Like it's got a whole shitload of stuff in it. It looks, that is another it looks, one of those designs. That's, that's a, a specific curated experience. Yes. It is a large curated experience, but still like I'm here for it. <laughs> like I'm very much here for it. So um, that is that is definitely on my um, that is definitely on my uh, list my backlog. Cool, cool. So in the chat room, uh, Gator, uh, as far as running a game, would love to run Tales from the Loop. Um, oh yeah, and then from the player side of the of things, uh, Gator would love to play Hearts of Wulin or Bite Marks, and of course Star Trek Adventures. Um, yep. <clears throat> I, I will say this about I will say this about Tales from the Loop. Tales from the Loop. Uh, you can just play the adventures that are right in the game. Like you could make your own. And I modified the ones that were in the book to make them more personal for us as we went along. Um, but we played the first couple like straight from the book and they were, they were cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I only like in the latter half had to keep modifying them because so many other things happened um, in our B plot that I had to kind of, you know, stitch things together. But um, it is very much a game you can play. Uh, right from like right from the book and the book does a great job of explaining um, the world how to run um, mysteries all that stuff like it's it is a it is a solid book for um, like it's a solid book for uh, for playing a game it's a solid game cool and the supplement adventures are actually pretty fun too I will highly recommend the um, our friends the machines (laughs) I thought you I thought you'd like that. Um, our friends, the machines, is the Transformers story, um, and it was um, it was a hoot. Like it was yeah. that was, was a, a fun of- that was a fun fun adventure. I also probably liberally um, messed with that adventure too, but it totally worked. Oh yeah. Anyway. All right. Well, that should wrap that up. Yeah, that's our look at gaming backlogs. Yeah, we hope the next time you need to pick a game to run for your group, we hope our discussion about gaming backlogs, as well as the games that we mentioned, um, give you some inspiration for getting that next game to the table. We're going to check in one last time with the chat room before we head on over to the conversation corner. So, yeah, that uh, Spectaculars, to to kind of continue on off of that, that and Dusk City Outlaws, um, very much a curated experience. There, they they set you up with the way the materials are all designed and and the whole box is put together. Like they're going for a specific type of experience when you play that game. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like a like like your average RPG where you make characters and you just jump in and you go. It's there is it's 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 designed a little different. What Have I don't know is what's the I. I th- I think I was maybe watching someone play Dusk City Outlaws at a con game once. I vaguely remember watching somebody like fiddle with the materials and stuff, but um, I, I've never actually played it. 
Um, but my question about both of those is what is based on the design of the game? What is the, the playability as far as long-term campaign? Oh, it's designed to play like yeah, a full campaign. Still, yeah, okay. like yeah, both. Yeah, both were. You could definitely take your character from one session of Dust City Outlaws into another one. Yeah, um, and I think you're pretty much expected to in okay. Spectaculars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um, that's some that interesting stuff. But it's a, I can imagine for a lot of people it was daunting to look at it like I want my RPG, like I want to play, you know, like a cool supers RPG, and here you've got this box set with all these bits and bobs and things and stuff. And it's like, uh, well, you can't just give me a book and let me run the game. Like, what's like, what's going on here? Until you like really get into it and understand what they're trying to do. Which is, yeah. which, which, which is, I think I miss. I think it's a misconception when when people look at it that way because when you look back on like our old game, like if you wanted to play Facer at Marvel at any level past just you've got these eight characters, that's all you can play. You were looking at buying two $20 box sets, which would be the equivalent today of buying like two $50 box sets. Um, and then you didn't get half the stuff that you got with the stuff that's in these ones today. Yeah, You're right, Bob. I just think people look at it from a different, like 70 bucks today is the 20. I mean, I remember what the player's handbook was like seven bucks back when I bought it back in the old days. Uh, the old player's handbook was seven bucks. I know the GM, the DM's guide was like nine. Um, and uh, that was you know, back in the seventies and eighties. So it's the same kind of thing. Um, most of those game systems came in, in box sets and I think you get more out of the box sets today than you did back then. So I agree with you, Bob, but I think that gamers need to re- rethink that, that, yeah. that stratagem because it's a different kind of thing. Um, you know, a game, you know, we talk about like, okay, um, for example, Marvel superheroes box set was 20 bucks back when minimum wage was two eighty five an hour. You know, you're talking about, you've got to work for you know seven hours to afford that box set yeah but jerry i'm not just talking about like cost of the box set like i'm talking about contents like the typical tsr box set was a couple of books some maps Mm -hmm. maybe some character sheets set of dice and some tokens that that was that's that's a role-playing game right yep but now you've got like oh we've got like like extra stuff that made it mm-hmm. kind of feel board gamey to some people. Yeah, I know that was my first impression. Like this is this is a this is a superhero or Dust City Outlaws. This is a board game, is what it felt like at first. Until I mean, I it has it has good. it has some board game spirit yeah. in it, right? Like it's yeah. it's you know it's got lots of bits and parts and cards I, and like I, uh, it's yeah. kind of how like Warhammer Fourth Edition, right? Warhammer Fourth Edition had um, a similar feel to it. Like it was a it was a big like it was. It was a big box game. Yeah, I'm not disagreeing with you, Bob. I, I agree with you. I think that that is one of the daunting things. I think that people look at it from a different standpoint. I think that if you go back and look at the way we looked at those games back then, I mean, there's a reason why some game systems sold better than others back in the 70s and 80s because you could buy them piecemeal instead of having to buy a box set to come out with them. Um, but I agree with you. Yeah, it does have a lot of bits and pieces. But if you but if you take the time to look at those bits and pieces, they're all things you're going to use in the role playing game. You know, decks of cards yeah. and well. You and I have talked about our love of cards for role-playing games. So. Oh, yeah. I love cards. <laughs> but no, I, I agree with you 100%. I think it is daunting. I just think it needs to be looked at separately by, by gamers. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, so if, uh, if you're out there and you're listening to this and you ever were like, you know, oh, Dust City Outlaws or Spectaculars, like, interesting, but, you know, uh, it feels too board gamey for me or whatever, and you take a deeper look, 
give it another yeah. look, maybe find a, a, a video or, you know, an AP or something, find someone who's played it that can, that can give you a little more in depth. Can give it another chance in your brain because it's, it's maybe not what you originally thought. I think what they both give you um, is the thing that made PBTA games so popular, which is that you can very quickly sit down, create characters, and start playing the game right now. Like, yes, you know, if you're a, playing PBTA, play. yeah, yeah. If you've played more than one PBTA game, chances are that you could sit down and create characters for PBTA in about 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you could probably create characters in like five. And then take the other 15 to do all the interconnecting things. And I think this game is like that too. I think you can sit down, open the box. If you've got somebody who's played the game or read the rules at least once and have everybody create characters, create your your systems and be playing the game within the first hour of, of opening the box. And there's not a lot of games, role-playing games that are like that. Um, yeah. No. You know, we, we, we often, you know, with Cortex, we had what, three session zeros before we even got to session one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Facts. It was worth it, worth it, yeah. but, um, but yeah. So, uh, I yes, suspect Gator. that goes faster. <laughs> like, yes. Uh-huh. but yes. yes, yes, but you do. You have to like in Cortex. You have to like build the game before you can build characters. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Cool. All right. All right. Well, let's roll on over into the conversation corner now. All right. So. uh Something that uh, that just kind of happened um, in the in the interim since the last time we did a live show, um, I uh, because I was having so many problems with my my neck, shoulders, and back giving me trouble. Um, a lot of it was from spending too much time at the computer playing No Man's Sky. <laughs> um, so while I was enjoying that game and getting a lot of uh, a lot of entertainment out of it and a lot of playtime. Um, over 200 hours on that thing. Um, uh, it was just starting to, to like bad habits were creeping back in with my posture and, and everything. So I'm like, I need to get away from the computer a little bit more. Um, the other thing that I had remembered was that, um, I was doing a lot of things where I would, um, be on the computer, uh, and then turn the computer off and climb into bed and be like trying to, to wind down after having a screen in my face for, you know, for multiple hours. And I was like, I need to, I need to get some downtime away from the computer before I go to bed. So I sat down the one night and picked up the book that I had started reading, um, sometime last year or the year before, like it had been sitting like half read on my pile. And I sat down and I read for like two hours or like an hour and a half, uh, in the evening. And so since then I've been carving out time, um, where normally I would like sit and just kind of like watch crap on TV that I didn't really care about just to have something on, or I would get on the computer and I would futz around on the computer. I've been sitting down and carving out time to actually sit and read books. So I finished that book that I had started. I picked up uh, battleground from Jim butcher, the most recent, uh, Dresden files book. And I burned through that. Um, I'm like probably 90% through the first of the most recent trilogy from Joe Abercrombie. Um, and I'm like just enjoying reading for pleasure again and carving out time to do it. So I'm very much, uh, on the book train again, and, and it's so nice. Um, so I just have to, to kind of keep that train rolling because it's gone in cycles for me for like the last like 15 years 
where I'll be on this kick where I'll, I'll burn through like four five, six books in a row. And then all of a sudden it'll be like months before I pick up a book and then six months, a year. And it's like, I haven't touched a book in forever. Um, I need to stop doing that. And I need to keep carving out that time, use it for multiple, um, multiple reasons. Like I said, to get me away from screens for a while and, and to, to just, you know, get myself into that place where I'm, I'm making progress through my to be read list. So, um, besides that, um, I still working my way through parks and recreation. I just finished season five. Um, everybody who said that the seasons got better after three or after two, they were absolutely right. There's been a lot of good stuff. Um, some moments where it's just like, you know, like gut punches and, and, and very emotional stuff and like good, good stuff. I still hate Tom. Tom sucks. I hate that character. And they're all, they're horrible people to Jerry. I just like, just stop being horrible to Jerry. But uh, Parks and Rec is cool. Um, I watched the uh, the miniseries on Peacock for uh, Dan Brown's The Lost Symbol. That was 10 episodes. That was very entertaining. Um, I find it very amusing that they called it season one of The Lost Symbol. And it's like, um, it's, it's a book. You went into it going, we're going to do X number of episodes, which turned out to be 10 for this book you're not going to have a season two of the lost symbol because the lost symbol story is done. Now, if you had called it Langdon or Robert Langdon after the main character, and I can see you doing another season and picking up another book, but otherwise it's the lost symbol. It's 10 episodes. It's done. And if you decide you're going to do like a, an extended version of Da Vinci code, now you've got the Da Vinci code. Like it's not season two of the lost symbol. Like it just, I, the whole season, thing you don't have to attach season to to something that's a one-shot miniseries um but i'm nitpicking you know that's what i do uh disco is about to wrap up but uh it's not one i thought there were 11 episodes according to like netflix there's actually 13 episodes in season one so there's three episodes left it's three episode crossover or overlap between it and uh, picard so looking forward to that this week um we had our ox game over the weekend, which was so much fun, really enjoying that group. And of course I did still squeeze in some No Man's Sky um, because it's a fun game, so I had to keep playing. And I built a small Lego set, that uh, that Firefly fun. one, that Dragonfly ship that, uh, that oh, I yeah. gave you for Christmas. Yeah. I, I put that together the other day just because I'm like, this is gonna take me like, you know, a half an hour. <laughs> so I just did it for the fun of it. But uh, that's probably about it for me. What do you got, Jer? Uh, I sat down and watched Nobody, uh, which was the um, Bob Odenkirk, uh, John Wick-style revenge action flick. Yep, yep. And it lived up to all the hype. It's a lot of fun. Um, good story, good action, lots of fun characters. Um, it's a fairly simple plot, but uh, the character itself is complicated. I think more complicated than John Wick. Um, and just to see him play that, to see Bob Odenkirk play that character is interesting. It's on HBO Max right now, so um, uh, which means if you guys want to watch it some night, we can get together and do, you know, watch party at somebody's house. I can just bring my, my laptop, we can do it. But it was a lot of fun. Um, Ox was great. Um, we're still saving the, uh, saving the universe from various strange things and starting to see that there are... Uh, evil corporations everywhere, which is not a surprise at all, uh, especially not in a Phil game, but not a surprise at all. Um, and they're just having a good time with it. I think the game, Cortex does a good job of, of running things. And your dice were a little more forgiving against us this week, so we actually survived. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
um, finished watching Reacher, uh, which um, this is this is the same character from the Tom Cruise Reacher movies, but it's the actual character from the book. So he looks something like Tom Cruise's character and is a much more interesting and complicated character. Not that the Tom Cruise movies were entertaining, but the show was really good. I've read the first couple of books and there are scenes in the TV series that I was like, that is exactly how I pictured it out of the, out of the, the books. Um, it's a fun show with a lot of uh, little twists and turns and so on. And a lot of good acting. Um, following Reacher, I watched the first season of Jack Ryan, which is um, based on Tom Clancy's character from Hunt for October. Um, I liked it a lot. John Krasinski's in it. I think it's a great show. Um, if you've read the Jack Ryan novels, this is the same character, and it's before any of the books occur. It does change his backstory a little bit. So just walk into it knowing that it's the same character. It feels like the same character, acts like the same character, but they're telling the story of what happened before the books occurred. And some of the details here aren't going to match up with that. So just write that off and enjoy it because it's not just a, where Reacher is pretty much a action detective series. Jack Ryan is very much a political thriller. And um, one of the things they do a really good job with is because the main villain in the first season is a terrorist is showing the terrorists um, going from being just like a student and intellectual to how he got turned. And how, because of the way the world treated him, like you don't sympathize with him. You're not like, yeah, that, yeah, you should have become a terrorist, but you're like, yeah, I can see why you're mad because once again, you got racially profiled and that kind of stuff and shows the characters as being more, more in depth and the politics that go along with it. So I would strongly recommend Jack Ryan to anybody who enjoys thrillers and spy shows and things like that. Um, Watching this season of disco. I like it not as good as previous seasons. And I'm hoping that next season we don't have yet another oh my God, the universe is going to end. This goes where they can solve it kind of things. Um, but it's still been a good series. Um, a couple of characters aren't in it this season and I don't want to ruin it for everybody. So that, that is, I, I understand that's part of my not enjoying it as much, but I'm still enjoying it. It's just, it's like, like it came back and I was like, yeah, I'll get to it when I get to it. But I'm still enjoying Disco and I still recommend it to anybody who enjoys Star Trek. Um, no Man's Sky, um, I'm logging in some hours in it. Um, I finally gotten past a couple stumbling blocks in it. Um, the game is still um, ruthless with me when it comes to reward systems, but luckily some player just walked up and handed me uh, 500 million credits, so um, I have enough to, I, I don't have to worry about rewards anymore. Um, I started watching Better Call Saul, pretty much because I watched Nobody Wanted to See More Bob Odenkirk, and I'd never seen the series, it's the spinoff from Breaking Bad, and it's very, very good, it's a lot of fun. Um, a little bit less cd at least initially than breaking bad was um but uh if you like the characters from breaking bad a lot of them show up in this and of course i've been building lego stuff left and right and uh, that's been kind of my de-stressor as i go um and uh slowly trying to get it organized now so i can get more of it moved back into the lego room so i have room to run role-playing games again at the house so that's been me it's been a busy two weeks phil yeah uh, my one thing for this week is um, got to play Long Live the Queen, um, our Cortex version of the game, having shifted the game from uh, Thirsty Sword Lesbians over to uh, Cortex. So Senda and I got a chance to play that on Saturday night. Um, actually got to also play um, when I was out last week in Denver. So we played in person and we played remotely. Um, once again, Cortex game doing what I needed to do. 
Um, it's a different game from the one we're playing, like stat blocks are different and all that stuff. Um, but it's working. Um, I'm just in general, really digging cortex. Um, I'm really pleased with it, but the long live the queen one, I, um, was fun to actually pivot the game over from another system. Um, because we were just, we were doing more espionage stuff and less sword fighty, um, kissy stuff, which is really um, thirsty sword lesbians wheelhouse and um boy by being able to pick specifically what skills we wanted the game to be about and we used values what values we thought were important for the game um it really put it together nicely um and you know send us playing the main character there's two npcs in her team that um, we both take turns. Uh, I do most of the role-playing for him. She does actually the rolling for them. Um, and it's working out as a really nice one-on-one, um, one-on-one game. It's, uh, it's really right where, I, right where I was hoping it would be. Um, other things I did, um, I took a trip to Denver. So I was out um, with Senda for a week um, and did a lot of Denver-y stuff. Um, I got introduced to uh, the Game Changers which is a um, streaming show made up from the folks from um, College Humor um, in a game show format. Very funny. There's some other um, there's some other shows in the little network that they have that are also equally funny. Um, watching Disco. Um, watched four episodes of Ted Lasso on Apple Plus TV. Um, that's a charming little show. I will probably go finish up the other seasons of that shortly. Uh, watched for all mankind. Uh, I'm just, I just started the season two finale, which is the last episode that's out. Um, and probably when we get off um, mics here, we'll go finish watching the last few minutes of it because holy shit, it's a lot. Um, it's a great show. If you have any access to Apple plus TV, I highly recommend it. Um, while I was out in Denver, got to go to both Ikea and the container store. And if you know me, you know how much I enjoy the container store. Um, absolutely did buy a container for holding all of my Cortex dice, which I went and uh, bit the bullet. We went to a game store in Denver and bought um, six <laughs> of six of each of the Cortex dice in their own solid colors. So I have like six blue D4s and I forget what color D6s, red D6s. Um white d8s blah 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 but the idea being is that i had like a really nice um really i like have a set now for cortex um that i'm really pleased with anyway that's me cool cool all right <clears throat> that will bring us around to the patreon shout outs phil cue yourself up for one yeah i see it it's that time it is so that thank time. you very much to our patrons brandon barnes Brandon Michael Smith, Brantley Harris, Brian King, Brian Kurtz, Chris Steele, Cubano, Eileen Barnes, Eric Mengi, and Heptilemma. And thank you to everyone for listening tonight. If you are free on Tuesday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. the Queen's time, come join us live on Twitch where you can chat with the other listeners in the awesome chat room for life and ask us the occasional question. It's a live show. Check out our podcast each week wherever you get your podcasts. And take a listen to some of the other shows in the Sebastian Mark Network, such as They're a Super Geek, Mastering Dungeons, Bonestone Obsidian, The FM Gamers, Pandas Talking Games, 
the Gnome Cast, Zhang Hu Hustle, The Lounge, Bonus Experience, and the excellent back episodes of She's a Super Geek. You can and should also check out our sibling podcasts, Tabletop Bellhop, The Knights of the Night, and the always amazing Gaming MBS. Before you pitch that new game to everybody in your group, leave us some feedback. You can reach us via the old-fashioned email system, mmp at misdirectedmark.com. Hit us up on the Twitters. The show and the network is at misdirectedmark. He's Robert M. Emerson. He's GM Gerrymander. I'm DNA Phil. If you like what we do here and on the other shows in the Misdirected Mark Network, you can support our Patreon campaigns. MMP, Mastering Dungeons, and Pandas Talking Games are at patreon.com slash MMP. Zhangu Hustle is at patreon.com slash Zhangu Hustle. And Bonus Experience is at patreon.com slash bonus experience. Patrons of MMP, Mastering Dungeons, and Pandas Talking Games get access to the after show, pre-production show notes, musical parodies, the Bamboo Lounge, and other special releases. This has been a Mr. Smart production, the media arm of Encoded Design. Mic drop. We out.